Hello, and welcome to the Ground and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Estenson-Williams. I'm a Minnesota-based marriage and family therapist, yoga teacher, and I create mental health content to help you ground and grow. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's begin. Hello, everyone. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about complex trauma, or what I often call in my practice, attachment or relational trauma, since sometimes that can be um, a little bit more descriptive of it if you don't know what the term complex trauma means. Um, And in a future episode, I will talk a little bit more about things that we can do as we are healing from attachment trauma and what therapy can look like with that. But in today's episode, I will just be talking about what this attachment trauma is, what it can look like, because I think a lot of times people don't fully recognize their experience as something that can fit in the category of trauma. And not that we need to label it, and certainly if for you it doesn't feel comfortable to label it in that way, Um, but sometimes it helps us to validate and really hold space for what our experience is rather than dismiss it as these small moments that didn't feel so great. Um, So yeah, I hope this is a little informational and maybe gives you a little more insight to your experiences if it feels related to your experiences. First, I'll just talk about what is trauma in general. So trauma, I'll kind of do a really, really short, simple explanation of it. Um, It is so much more multifaceted. There's so many more ways it can show up and everything. So this is a really brief explanation of it, but trauma is essentially an experience or multiple experiences that can impact your feelings of safety and security in future settings or in future relationships or experiences. And so A lot of people think about PTSD when we think of trauma. So these really like big T trauma moments, some really, um, you know, whether it be from war or from an assault or from some big experience of trauma and people with that might experience flashbacks or really tough dreams that come from that. They might kind of dissociate and go into those moments of that traumatic experience on the day-to-day, different pieces like that. Sometimes attachment trauma can kind of fall into that category of PTSD, but often it looks a little bit different. So I'll talk a little bit about that more at the end here. But just a note here to say trauma can look like a lot of different things. Um, And there's no trauma that is more or less impactful than another. And we certainly don't need to compare our trauma to somebody else's to validate it. All experiences can be valid and impactful. And what's important is like what that is like for you and what you need to feel supported around it. Um... But yeah, trauma can look like a whole lot of different things and can feel a whole lot of different ways. But essentially at the core, these moments can impact our feelings of safety and security. 
and can also manifest in a whole lot of different ways too. I won't go into all of the different things, um, but just know that there's a lot of different ways it can manifest. One thing I will differentiate here is big T trauma versus little t trauma. Um, that's kind of this like common language that we hear about trauma. And I think, you know, and why I'm talking about it today is I think it can be kind of informational as we're differentiating these different moments of trauma. Um, and I also don't love the phrasing because sometimes it comes off as, hey, big T trauma is bigger and it's more impactful and it is more valid, whereas little T trauma is just these little things, right? It's not such a big deal. It's okay, but yeah, yeah, it's trauma. Um, When that is not actually what it means at all, both can be equally as impactful and can feel equally as traumatic in your experience but the situations might look a little bit different. So big T trauma is the one that probably most of us are more familiar with. So again, that might be an experience in war or in an unsafe environment that there's like this single moment of something happening, like a bomb or something like that. Um, It can be you know, a single moment or maybe multiple moments of assault, but these big moments of something, it might be a robbery. Um, You know, we can kind of just think of a lot of different large moments. Um, And typically there's something that feels out of the ordinary. Not always, right? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who end up experiencing numerous big T traumas. Um, but for the most part, they are these moments that we can pause and recognize like, Ooh, that was something that was not okay. Right. Um, or gosh, like that sounds like a really traumatic experience. Most people can kind of hold space and recognize like, Ooh, yikes, ouch. Um, and so those are the big T traumas and, you know, unless, you're in that category where you're someone experiencing these recurrent big T traumas. Oftentimes it feels like, oh, this was something really out of the ordinary. And it certainly can, you know, result in, you know, maybe PTSD where there's flashbacks and recurrent memories in different pieces. But there might also be this availability to hold space for, okay, this happened. And I know that not everybody in my life treats me this way right? This, this doesn't feel like the norm. That's not always the response that people have, but sometimes that is available there of, hey, this happened and healing can look like recognizing, okay, this, this was a moment that was different than my norm. This is not the same as my normal environment. Um, definitely not easy to heal, can be really intense and really challenging and really impactful. And again, sometimes it does feel like the norm if they are experiencing recurrent big T traumas in their life. Um, So it's kind of hard to say, hey, this is exactly what it looks like because it can also look like a lot of different ways. But essentially, big T trauma is going to be more so these really big significant moments and there can be just one of them or sometimes there are multiple 
Little T trauma is a little bit different. So these might be the moments that if you just had one, two, or three of these, it might not impact you so much. It might not feel as traumatic. But when we have an accumulation of these little T traumas, that's where it really impacts our feelings of safety and security in our life. Um, So little T trauma can often look like chronic invalidation, right? So maybe from a parent or caregiver dismissing your emotional experience or not holding space for things that you needed. Um, It can look like bullying, right? Getting recurrently bullied. It can look like even things that are not this like intentional harm, but just something that happens in our life, maybe in multiple ways. Um, and in multiple, whether it be the same relationship with like a caregiver or something, or maybe it's showing up with a lot of different people, right? Maybe it's showing up with your mom and it's also showing up with your grandma and it's showing up with a friend, right? So the same kind of response that you get that a single isolated moment, for example, let's say it is a parent invalidating your emotion, right? If it was a single moment, it might be hurtful and it might be painful, but if you have a lot of other moments where parents can pause and hold space for your emotions, that one-off moment probably won't have a significant impact on your feelings of safety and security. But if you have a lot of moments where your emotions were dismissed or there wasn't space held for you, Um, or a ton of different things, right? Maybe it was like really critical expectations on you. Um, Maybe it's just like really poor communication that is provided to you. It can be a whole lot of different things that, right, if they're one-off things, they might not be so impactful, but when they happen over and over and over again, they are traumatic. They impact our feelings of safety. And One thing that a lot of people experience with these little T traumas, whether it be from like an attachment figure. So that's why I often call it like attachment trauma is, especially in um, the specialty that I work with it in, is a lot of times it is based in an attachment relationship. So maybe a parent, a caregiver, or some close relationship to us where we have been you know, experiencing these recurrent little t traumas that impact how we feel in relationships. If you grew up and a parent or caregiver recurrently dismissed your emotional experience, that's going to start to feel like the norm, right? It's going to begin to feel like, hey, it's not safe for me to talk about my emotions maybe not only with my caregivers, but also now with my friends or in a future romantic relationship that I may have, right? It doesn't feel safe to do that because I haven't had this experience in an attachment relationship where space was held for me. So these can feel really impactful too. And this is most likely going to look a little bit different than how big T trauma impacts us. So if you have these little T traumas, you might not have um, the really intense kind of memories that pop up or dreams that pop up. 
it sometimes might even be hard to identify like what were these traumatic moments, right? Like sometimes we do have that clear picture and sometimes people do have recurrent dreams and memories of it. Um, but a lot of times it's like, oh, it's, it's really hard for me to identify what these moments even were, but here I notice the impact of them, right? I can feel that it's hard for me to feel comfortable and safe in relationships. Um, so we might not have the same kind of symptoms that come from it, and yet it can impact us in some really real ways as well. Um, and so I wanted to make sure as you're listening to this, it's, you know, I, I hope it's sinking in that big T trauma, little T trauma, they can impact us, of course, in a lot of similar ways, but in very different ways. But one is not more valid than the other. Right, one is not more impactful or more important. It's it's so situation specific on hey, like what happened and how did this impact me? Um but the trauma itself isn't what validates the experience. Right? What is valid is hey, how did I respond to it? Um a lot of times when I'm working with clients. I work with a lot of attachment trauma. That's kind of my, one of my favorite areas to work in. Um, when we start conceptualizing their experience as trauma, a lot of times clients will invalidate themselves, right? They'll dismiss like, oh, it wasn't that important because my parents didn't mean to do that, right? Or, you know, it, it's not really such a big deal. A lot of people have experienced a lot worse. And, right, like we can look at like, oh, gosh, it's hard to hold that space for ourselves, isn't it? And we don't have to measure the impact based on what happened. We don't have to dismiss or invalidate the experiences, whether they were intentional or not, they were painful. And I think what comes up for a lot of people is with attachment trauma, sometimes, yes, it totally is, um, you know, something that, the parent was, you know, maybe kind of intentional in doing or neglectful in doing, right? Like maybe we can really see like, ooh, like this, this was not okay for them to even think to do, right? Um, sometimes that shows up, but a lot of times it, it came from parents' best intentions. Um, and I think we're seeing a little bit of, you know, difference in, um, generations in, in parenting, right? Um, so I work with a lot of millennials, um, so maybe have the same age group of parents. And at that time, it really was the norm to dismiss emotions and maybe not have the skills to hold space for emotions, try to minimize them because it's like, oh, if we, if we hold too much space for this emotion, it's going to become too big, right? So let's, let's push it aside. Let's just bring it back to something like positive or fixable or doable. Let's just look at the action rather than the emotion. Um, it was also really the, the norm to have these high expectations or to respond to I'm, you can't see me, but I'm kind of doing quotations, um, mistakes, to respond to mistakes with high criticism, right? Maybe not the best communication skills because those weren't necessarily taught to the parents or available to the parents. And so a lot of these things were kind of the norm and parents' intentions 
might have been really, really wonderful, right? They might have said like, oh, I want to raise my kid to be super successful and here's society's definition of success and so here's how I can foster my kid to be that way and all of these different pieces. Um, so it might not have been out of this ill will or, you know, any wrongful intention and yet it was painful, yet it was harmful, Right. And I think that can sometimes be really hard to conceptualize. Sometimes we have a hard time holding space for this dialectic where both things can be true of like, oh, hey, like my parents didn't mean to do this for me. And it really impacted me and I need to do healing around it. And it's really valid. Right. And, you know, what I I try to bring in is, okay, yep, transgenerational trauma, right? Trauma that goes down. Often that happens when the parent or caregiver maybe doesn't have the space to do the healing that they need, right? And thankfully, therapy is becoming a lot more normalized in today's day and age. Um, But in previous generations, that wasn't quite the norm. Working on our mental health wasn't quite the norm. So a lot of parents were parenting from a really wounded place. And so it's no surprise that there's a lot of attachment trauma going on. Um, and so here I'm not, I'm not saying were your parents to blame or were they not to blame or if the blame even matters, right? That's of course going to be super situationally specific. Um, but I just want to put out there that experiencing trauma from somebody doesn't mean that the other person always meant it to be painful. Sometimes it does. Um, but a lot of times it might not in, in this little T trauma category. Doesn't mean we can't hold people accountable. Doesn't mean we can't have conversations about it. Um, But it just means that you get to validate your experience, even if the intention wasn't harmful on the other person's part. So that's kind of my differentiation between big T trauma and little t trauma. So now we'll discuss attachment trauma a little bit more. I, I talked about it some in that little t trauma. So this attachment trauma or like, complex trauma or developmental trauma. There's a lot of different terms for it. Um, It's not in the DSM yet. I hope at some point it is. Um, It makes it kind of tricky that it's not because I think a lot of people don't recognize the experience as trauma because they're just comparing it to PTSD, which sometimes your symptoms will fit into PTSD, but not always. Um, And so it kind of feels like, wait, (laughs) is this actually valid? Because it doesn't fit in this, right? Or it just fits in this like other specified trauma category. Um, So my hope is that 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 shifts and it can be a little bit more known and honored um, in the diagnostic statistical manual, our little book of diagnoses that us therapists use, which I don't, I truly don't love the DSM for a lot of reasons. And this is one of it, right? Like the, the diagnosis that I work with the most is not actually in the book, right? So that's not super helpful for me. Usually, it, we'll, we'll talk about other diagnoses it can show up as too, but first I'll, I'll bring it back and talk about what is this attachment trauma, right? <clears throat> and so again, a lot of times this trauma is going to be related to experiences that happen with some attachment figure, commonly going to be a parent or caregiver, 
but can come from a lot of different places too, right? It can come from friends or peers at school. It can come from teachers um, or coaches or, you know, some someone in this role of like mentoring us, right? A lot of times these can happen as we're younger, as we're kids. And I think sometimes that makes it a little bit more challenging because that's when we're learning our view of the world and how we hold space in the world and all of these things. Um, So when this happens when we're younger, sometimes it can be more complicated to unlearn because that's what we learned is normal. But it can also happen later in life, in adulthood, maybe in you know, other friendships or significant romantic relationships and different pieces and certainly can impact how we feel we can exist in those relationships, whether it be that specific relationship or future ones too. Um, so a lot of times it happens in some form of attachment relationship. Um, and, and we can see like that the relationship for it matters, right? So if if we grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of these little T traumas that showed up, um, right? Maybe there was a lot of space held for emotions. Maybe our parents were doing wonderful skills for themselves and teaching us wonderful skills. We might grow up with a little more awareness of what our boundaries are, a little more um, awareness of like, hey, what kind of behavior can I tolerate and what kind of behavior will I not tolerate? all of these different pieces. And so then if if a friend or an acquaintance in the future treats us in a way that doesn't feel right, we might be able to spot that pretty quickly um, and say, ooh, nope, this doesn't work for me. And then we enforce a boundary because we've had a lot of practice with that. That's become our norm, right, of what to expect for how people um, in our life get to treat us. So the relationship matters. Uh, versus, right, like maybe even you grew up in a really like safe and secure home with with the attachment piece. Um, and then maybe you have this really close relationship, whether it be a friend or romantic partner or whatnot. Um, and then maybe something switches and these little T traumas start to come up. It Those might sneak up on you. Um, even if you have a really firm grasp of your boundaries and what you need in relationships, sometimes they can sneak up if um, if maybe they're not an early indicator from that person, right? Maybe that person initially appeared really safe and secure with you, and then some of these wounds started showing up, <clears throat> and then they start treating us a little bit differently. That might come in a little bit sneaky, so we can also get some attachment trauma later in life through that too. So um just like just like the big t trauma or ptsd attachment trauma complex trauma can manifest in a lot of different ways it can show up in a lot of different ways there's no simple way to pinpoint this is exactly what attachment trauma is um because it can vary so widely um but yeah essentially it's going to you know most often be these smaller t traumas in significant relationships Um, and there's going to be usually a higher frequency of those traumas than kind of a one-off traumatic event Um, and yeah like I said it sometimes can show up fitting in PTSD symptoms 
that's kind of the more common trauma diagnosis that most people know. Um, but a lot of times it doesn't and kind of just fits in this like other trauma category. As I said before, hopefully we get a, a complex trauma diagnosis in the future. There's a new DSM coming out soon. Um, I haven't checked if that's going to be in there or not yet, but I know it's been talked about a lot to be added into a future DSM. Um, but a lot of times it can look like or be hidden under other diagnoses, right? So sometimes it might manifest more as anxiety or depression, or maybe you already experienced those and they're kind of a nice way that your symptoms of this trauma hide under. So for example, I do a lot of attachment trauma work and I also do a lot of anxiety work. So I work a lot with anxiety and the kind of anxiety that also looks like perfectionism or these really high and rigid expectations of ourself and complex feelings around self-worth. And for a lot of the people I work with, these traumatic experiences kind of fall under their experience of anxiety. So I'll just kind of give a little example of the trauma and how it can kind of look like anxiety and perfectionism and how we need to, you know, go back to the root of the trauma. So um, let's say someone grew up in a household, maybe parents were super well-intentioned, but Maybe they had super high or rigid expectations of the individual. Um, maybe they didn't hold a lot of space for emotions, all these different pieces. So then as a kiddo, they learn, okay, it's not safe for me to like talk about my emotions or ask for help or ask for support. I kind of got to just bottle it up myself. I kind of got to just figure it out. And if I'm struggling with something, it must be my fault. I must not be doing something right. Because the norm that I've learned now is I respond to emotions by fixing them, right? Rather than holding space for my experience and validating it and practicing compassion, nope, I've got to figure out how to respond to the emotion so that it goes away, right? So there can be a lot of bottling up going on in there. And then like the rigid expectations that come from caregivers in that situation might manifest as like, okay, and I've got to be perfect, right? I've got to get straight A's or I've got to get close to that um, or I've got to be in all these clubs at school um, to be good enough, to be worthy enough to get my parents' approval. Um, and it might, you know, later then manifest as like jobs or different pieces too. So there's these really high expectations. And again, the messaging that they might feel is if I didn't get that A or... If I don't like this club that I'm doing or something, then it must be something wrong that I'm doing, right? I must be flawed in some way. So I've got to figure out how to fix it so that I can be good enough again, so that I can be worthy. And so we can see how, again, like the, the action that caregivers are doing in this moment, especially if we look at it like back in time, back in what was the norm for parenting at the time, it can kind of seem pretty benign, right? Parents are just kind of pushing kids to do their best and, you know, holding them accountable for their grades and extracurricular activities. And they're, you know, just trying to help them solve emotions so that the kid doesn't feel uncomfortable, right? Um, 
again, that's not always the intention, but sometimes this intention wasn't necessarily this harmful thing. Thankfully, we're learning now that that's not the best way um, to hold space for our kids and, and that parenting is changing and we're learning new information. But at the time, that, that was really the norm in a lot of ways. Um, and so this kid grows up and maybe doesn't think of that as something that was harmful to them, right? Then they start getting these symptoms of anxiety, right? Maybe they're ruminating about things, um, getting really harsh on themselves when they're not perfect at something, might have a hard time trusting situations or trusting other people because they're putting all of these expectations on themselves. And right, it doesn't feel normal to trust other people with how they're feeling. That's not okay. Um, They might have trouble with like worrying all the time or sleep might end up being a problem because they're always worrying and thinking about things. It can kind of look like this um, high-functioning anxiety sometimes, right? Where they're like, okay, I've, I'm doing all of this stuff wonderfully at work and I've got to like, you know, work some extra hours at night or I've got to work on the weekends or whatever. I don't have these great boundaries for myself because I just want to do it right, right? I just want to do it perfectly. And if I make a mistake, then I feel devastated and I worry if I'm going to get fired and all of these different pieces. So on the outside, as an adult, these symptoms might look like anxiety, right? They're worrying a lot. They're uh, maybe having difficulty sleeping, got really high expectations. They've got their inner critic going. These things might look like anxiety. And maybe they also have some anxiety that is separate from the trauma, but when we're sitting down in therapy and unpacking these things, you know, I can initially see like, okay, yep, here's some check, check, check. Here's a lot of the symptoms of anxiety. Then I can see, ooh, but the root of this, or at least the root of a part of it, is this attachment trauma, right? It's how you learned to hold space for yourself. It's how you learned that others can hold space for you, Right, and that manifested in you over controlling yourself and over controlling how you show up in the world, right? Which now looks like anxiety. So, attachment trauma can be pretty sneaky, it can come off as a lot of different um, diagnoses, if you will, right? If you're going to therapy and, and you're working on something, it might end up being anxiety or depression or something like that. Um, but maybe the root of at least a portion of it is some of this trauma. So some, something to think about, right? If you are starting to work on this, something to think about. Is this just anxiety? Or are there some relational wounds that I need to attend to that will help me to see these things a little bit differently? And that is going to be in my next episode. I will talk all about um how we start to identify and and work through and heal these wounds. Um, Not that that episode is going to necessarily help you to heal the wounds, but maybe we'll help you see, okay, what resources do I need to tap into? So that's going to wrap up today's episode just on what is complex trauma, attachment trauma, relational trauma, however you want to define it because there's no exact definition um, yet at this point. And you get to define it however feels most like, however rings in the best for you. Um, 
I use the term attachment because I work from an attachment framework a lot. So that that feels like it resonates for me really well, but maybe something else resonates better for you. Wonderful. Stick with that. Um, and yeah, stay tuned. If this if this episode felt like it resonated, it hit some points, then I encourage you to stay tuned for the next one in a couple of weeks where we'll talk a little bit more about um, the healing process for this attachment trauma. So I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If I referenced any links in this episode, you can find them below in the show notes. If you like the Ground and Grow podcast, I would greatly appreciate a rate and review from wherever you're listening so that others can find us too. If you'd like to be the first to know when new episodes are coming out, you can subscribe as well as follow me on Instagram at Kayla Estenson Wellness for all updates. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.